There's a lot of old traditions in the church that I really love, but one of the things I love most about church tradition is her influence in sacred art. I'm not just talking about music or even architecture, but especially paintings, frescoes, and all the different things. And I think one of the reasons I love sacred art so much is that it really does very clearly convey certain messages and themes that words could do no justice to. For example, if you ever had the privilege of going to St. Joseph Seminary College or St. Joseph Abbey, the Benedictine Monastery, just north of Covington, about an hour, hour and a half away, if you ever get the chance to go to the monastic refectory, which is a big fancy word meaning the monk's dining room, there's this giant fresco on the wall, a painting of the Last Supper, and it's the biggest one in the world. It's about four times the size of da Vinci's in, in Italy. But there's something particular about this painting of the Last Supper that's really, really strange. It's striking, but it's weird. And I'm not just talking about the fact that on the table of the Last Supper, there's salt and pepper shakers, there's wine glasses, there's forks and knives, kind of that idea of bringing ancient times and modern times together and everything in between. What's even more fascinating is the fact that Jesus is there in the middle, obviously, celebrating the Eucharist, instituting the Eucharist. And then right behind Jesus is Jesus again. It's like Jesus' inception. There's Jesus seated, offering the Eucharist with his apostles. But then directly behind him is a scene of the crucifixion. Then it gets a little more strange. Jesus is indeed nailed to the cross, but there's no blood, there's no lashes, there's no gore. You just see basically from the torso up. And he has this look on his face, which is kind of like what I call a smirk. It's almost a sneer. I'll get back to that in a second. If you follow all the way to the top, to the joists of the, the roof, the pitch of the roof, what you see on top of Jesus' head is not a crown of thorns, but a golden crown, the crown of a king. So you have this picture of Jesus on the cross, crucified, nailed there, with this sneer on his face, this smirk, and he's already crowned as king. It's as if he's standing there, nailed to the cross, saying, I've already won. The enemy is already trampled. Death has no grip on me. I'm the victor. I'm the king. I win, and I share that victory with you now. I give that image because it is exactly what we hear in the gospel tonight. The very first throne that Jesus mounts willingly, that he chooses for himself, is the throne of the cross. The absolute opposite of what we would think or hope a king would actually do and choose. You think of a king on his throne and he's in all these golden robes and it's his stately chair and he has a crown and all these attendants and there's trumpet blast. But here we have our king who is stripped naked, nailed to a dirty tree, bleeding out, suffocating, everyone spitting at him, mocking him, screaming, hoping he dies soon. And no one but his mother and St. John and Mary Magdalene at the foot of his cross. It's the total opposite image of what we think a king should look like. And yet that throne of the cross is how Christ, our king, wins. That throne of the cross is how he conquers. It's how he rules and reigns. You hear all throughout the prayers of this Mass the altar of the cross, the sacrifice of the cross, because that is his throne. And that is beautiful, but it is also very terrifying and really, really confusing, too. Think about it. 
If Jesus wants to share his victory with us, and he gets his victory from the cross, what do you think that means for us? Lord invites you to take your throne with him too. And it's ugly. It entails death. It entails sacrifice. Not because the Lord is mean and wants revenge, not because he's a vengeful God, but because even death, even suffering has been redeemed and conquered. The enemy is trampled and stands no chance with our Lord. We celebrate this day of Christ the King, our patronal feast here at CTK. For the Lord, yes. The music, the incense, the shiny vestments, all of the pomp and circumstance is for Christ the King. It's to glorify Him. But this is our day as well. This is our feast. Yes, here at Christ the King, but all throughout the world. Because this is the day of victory, where the Lord shares it with us. Where we're reminded that the cross has already been turned into a tor- from a torture device to a throne. Because on the other side of that death is the crown waiting for us. Only a good king does that. Only a victor king who has redeemed humanity, chosen humanity, cherished humanity, and called us to something great. Only a good God can do that. And he does. And we have nothing to be afraid of, but everything to be proud of. And a good righteous pride. Proud not in the way that the enemy is, but proud that Christ reigns. He's the king. He's already won. In a lot of churches, and hopefully we'll have one here soon, if everything can stop being backordered throughout the world, we'll have a crucifix on the altar as a sign, and you'll see this throughout churches, like I said. The crucifix itself faces the priest, so that as we step up to the altar, we see that crucifix as a reminder that we are standing in the person of Christ to offer the sacrifice of the cross at that altar. But the backside of it is bare. It's empty. And it's not because we didn't want to put Jesus on both sides. It's not just because it's cheaper. It's because you see the bare cross as an invitation for you to mount the cross and sacrifice your desires, your struggles, your victories, your challenges, your failures, your sin, and everything else that the Lord has redeemed from his cross. You mount the cross, which is your throne, with him. And he exalts you. There's only victory on the other side because he is our victor king, victorious ruler. But you know something about the reading today? Isn't in what Jesus is talking about, not what they're telling Jesus, if you are the king of the Jews, if you're the son of God, just come on down. You can do it. We won't stop you. It's from the dialogue between the good and the bad, quote-unquote, bad thief. The one who's unrepentant is standing there saying, Aren't you the Christ? If you are who you say you are, get us down. Be the king. Be the victor. Trample over these enemies and save us. And the repentant thief, who let's be honest, hopefully is all of us, a repentant sinner, says, we're guilty. We deserve the condemnation we receive. This man's done nothing. He is the king. He doesn't deserve this, but we do. Brothers and sisters, that is where we find ourselves. 
but especially in that next little perfect short prayer that he makes. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. When you receive the crown, when you take the throne, when you hold the scepter and you rule the nations, remember me, please. And Jesus doesn't say, you're going to have to wait. You got to earn it. Give me some more time. Do some more suffering. He says, amen, I say to you today, immediately, right now, you're going to be with me in paradise. Not because you deserve it, not because you earn it or merit it, but because I love you and I want to share this victory with you. That is the story of the gospel. That is the story of salvation. When Jesus crowns us with a crown of victory, we crown him with a crown of thorns. When he places a royal scepter in our hand to rule the nations with him, we drive nails through his. He clothes us with a robe of victory to seat us on a throne, and we strip him naked, we beat him, we spit on him, we mock him, and we nail him to a cross, and yet even that is redeemed. Even that brings victory. What a beautiful, beautiful story. Gruesome, sure, but one of victory, of peace, of fulfillment. Friends, it's not just a fairy tale. It's not just some story we hear about in Scripture. That is our story. You're in this church tonight to receive that victory because you receive it and you're reminded of that every time you go and dip your fingers in the holy water font to remind yourself of your baptism that saved you. Every time you step into that little box we call the confessional to get rid of your sins and to share the victory of freedom with God. Every time you approach this altar to receive him, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Every time you see each other, friend, loved one, even enemy, you see Christ in each other. You're reminded of this victory that is yours. Do not, please don't take it lightly. The night of Halloween, the vigil of all saints after Mass, we had a Eucharistic procession from here at Christ the King to the parade grounds to bless the four corners of our campus with the Lord himself. Because hundreds of people, because albeit we stopped up traffic just a little bit, hundreds of people saw Jesus Christ on display, that he is our King. We did the same thing earlier after 6 o'clock Mass around the block here. To put on display our Victor King. He rules, he reigns, he has conquered, and he's the one we follow. Do you bring him out into the world? Do you make his throne not the cross, not even the tabernacle, but do you make his throne your very heart, your very soul, your very life? Does he truly reign and live within you? I hope so. The church exists to make that happen, to allow that to come into being. We have nothing to be ashamed of, but we have everything to be proud of because we serve a living God, Christ the King, Christ the Victor. He's not a God of death. He's alive. He's not a God of vengeance, but one of freedom. He brings joy, peace, conquers everything that hinders that so long as we allow him to unite his suffering to ours and we accept that invitation and accept ours, to unite ours with his. Christ reigns. Christ conquers. He commands and he rules. And that is our story. It's time for us to step up and to truly live that story then.
when we see the crucifix, to recognize that that's our king, mocked and scorned, put to death. But apart from Easter and Christmas, dare I say this is the biggest feast of the entire year because this is where the Lord wins, we proclaim it, and we live it. But I urge you, I beg you, don't let today be the only day of the year that you celebrate Christ as king. Live his victory. It's yours. Live that freedom. It's for you. He looked out from the cross, his first throne, 2,000 years ago as he hung there dying, looked into all of creation, all of the world, all of eternity, and saw you in the very moment that you come back to him and choose him and love him and follow him. He saw that moment and he died for it. Again, with the crown on his head and a smirk on his face because the enemy has lost and we have won it all because of our victor king. Make that your prayer tonight, rejoicing, claiming who we are, being who we are, and saying to him, Jesus, remember me when you come to your kingdom. Remember me, a poor, repentant sinner who you love and cherish and adore and delight in. Remember me and hear him say to you the same. Amen, I say to you, my chosen, my beloved, my cherished, in whom I delight. Amen, I say to you, this very day, this very moment, you will and you are with me in my kingdom, in my paradise because I'm the Victor King. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.